Um, hi, I'm Ray, compulsive overeater, bulimic anorexic. Hi. hi. Well, um, <laughs> and I apologize for those of you who heard my share last Saturday or last Sunday, whenever I did it. Um, so, uh, I, same story. I can't help it. Um, so, uh, but there may be some details that I left out that I'll put in. Um, so. <clears throat> I was told to share my experience, strength, and hope when I came in these rooms. Um, and the reason I was told to do that was because I, um, the people who had gone ahead of me, they were the people who held out the hope. And I needed to know that there was a way that this stuff could work because I had come from what it was like. Okay, so what it was like, my mom put me on my first diet when I was nine. Um, took me to Weight Watchers because um, my father's family is obese. My mother's family is very thin. My mother was really worried about me because I looked like my father, and I looked like my father's side of the family, so she was worried I was going to be obese, so that started the dieting. And um, I, I got the idea that people liked me better when I was thin because my mom and my dad both liked me better when I was thin. I don't know if that's true, but I certainly got a lot of attention for it. And um, and it just it it got every year there was more dieting, um, there was more weight gain and weight loss. And this um, I had a 30 pound range that eventually was what I was doing. I was either up 30 or down 30. And when I was up 30, I was very depressed, eventually suicidal. And when I was down 30, I felt fantastic. I've I found it. This is the end. I'm good. And as we all know, there's, there's no real solution when it's a short-term solution. That's not a solution. That, those solutions are for normies. I know people who can diet, and they're cool. And whether they gain the weight back or not, they don't give a crap. But for me, it was devastating. It was, I was a failure. I was going to lose some love. I wasn't going to get what I wanted. Um, and that was really ingrained in me. And my grandparents started commenting on my weight. And my aunts and uncles, it was everybody's business. My body became everybody's business because I started talking about it all the time. And that was the topic of conversation. And it was really easy to pick it up because there's a lot of um, addicts in my family in this disease. So uh, there was always somebody to talk to about it. And my father and I would do diets together, and it was just a bonding thing until it wasn't. Um, and so I moved to New York City, and I walked everywhere, and I, you know, and I, 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 started, I started a commercial diet program, and I finally, like, got really thin, and I thought, this is it. But then I realized, like, I couldn't eat more than five or 600 calories a day. I had to be in the gym at least three hours a day. And that became my life. That was it. And at the time, I was engaged. I was um, working in my chosen field. And I was making money as a waiter. And everything looked great from the outside, like really terrific. And what I wanted to do, um, and I, uh, I'm still with the person I was engaged to at the time, We've been together. When I talk about numbers, like I don't have numbers because I wasn't like really large or really small. I never like had an IV and I never got up to like 200 pounds. But um, the numbers that I have that I'm proud of are that um, I've been in a committed relationship with somebody for 36 years and I have two kids, one who struggles with this disease and one who's like just kicking ass in the world, you know. And so, um, and not that I'm comparing them, but like same family. You know, this is what happens. Like, my brother, 
doesn't have this disease, but I do. So I feel like in my family, I was born with it. I came out a compulsive overeater. My grandmother said that when she would feed me, there'd be one jar of baby food, and I would finish it, and I'd be looking at the next one. Like, that's how she used to describe me, you know. And so I believe I was born with that, like this insatiable hunger that I didn't know how to control. I didn't know what to do with it. I only knew that it made me a bad person. That's how I felt about it. I was bad for having this. And so um, I was working in this restaurant, and it's all I ever spoke about. And I was worried about, um, I was getting married, and all I could think about was the dress. The dress, the dress, the dress. How am I going to fit into the dress? I want to get alterations on the dress, the dress, the dress, the dress. That's how I came into the program. So, um, because my manager said to me, you know, if you go to program, they'll help you stay on your diet. Because that's what I heard, you know, because she was, like, really smart and, and sneaky that way. So um, I was like, really? They'll, like, help me stay on a diet forever and center just six months? Okay, I'm in. So, um, so that wasn't what happened at my first meeting. And, um, but what I did hear was that there was a solution to this problem and that it wasn't, I didn't cause this problem. I was born with this problem, which I now believe was a blessing. Ah, and I'll tell you why. Because, I know, it's like everybody's like, oh, I don't want to get over here. It's the worst thing in the world. Okay, if I didn't have this disease, I wouldn't be in front of you today. I wouldn't have my cheering section over here, which I didn't even know was going to show up. And, um, you know, like I have like really good friends back there. Thank you. I have like, <laughs> I have really good friends in this program that I wouldn't have if I didn't have this program. I wouldn't have a daily practice of getting in touch with God because I had God in my life. That wasn't a problem. But my prayer to God was, please help me lose weight. Like, that was it. 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 And now my prayer is, how can I do service? How can I? I am powerless. Like, every morning I wake up and the first thing I, I do is I, I, um, I do meditation. And the first thing I say is, I am powerless over Everything. Everything. And then I say, and I believe whatever it is, and like, I don't know what it is. I, haven't, I have a very nebulous um, idea of what God is. I think it's an energy today. That's for today. I don't know. Tomorrow could be like my best friend. I don't know. It's changed all the time. Today it feels like an energy that I can plug into and I can like move along or I can fight it and I'm going to fight. But if I move along with God's will, things will, will go better for me. This is what I've discovered. So... Um, and just for the newcomer, not to scare you, but I've been here 29 years. So, like, I'm not suggesting that anyone stay here 29 years. But, um, <laughs> but I'm going to be here. I think I'm a lifer because I need a long-term solution. I, I, a short-term solution no longer works for me. And that became really clear when I came in. So, um, so I came in and, and they said, Oh and, then, oh, and then the other thing, my, my, what I forgot, my favorite step, step three, after I do step two, is I just say, all right, God, it's yours today. It's all yours. You take care of it. And then I take my will back during the day. And I realize it because I start because <laughs> that's what I do, because I'm an addict. Um, and, and, and all of a sudden, I start trying to figure things out. And when I start to try and figure things out, then I know I'm, I'm not in God's will. I'm in my will. Instead of just going, it's yours. Take it. You know, I ha like I said, I have a son who, um, who suffers from this disease, and I, uh, I gave him to God. I gave him to God. 
and he's functioning, you know. He's not doing what I think he should do, but it's none of my business. And, um, and I recently put our relationship, I gave that to God, because um, it's been challenging to have a relationship with somebody who's active in their disease, who's living with me. Um, and so I just was like, all right, God, you take the relationship. It's gotten better. In the last two weeks, it's gotten better. So I know, like, if I, if I open myself and make myself available, God will come in. But I didn't believe that when I got here. So I continued to diet my first year in program. I continued to take laxatives. Um, and I remember somebody really kind sitting next to me. She put her hand on my thigh and she said, sweetie, when you're ready, when you're ready. And I just became ready because it, I knew, like, little by little, I, I heard people who were, who were around longer than I was who said they were better. Not they were cured. They were better. They were functioning. They weren't thinking about food all the time. They weren't exercising all the time. They weren't dieting anymore. And I was like, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. I'd never been taught how to eat. The only food plan I knew was a diet. So that was really terrifying. And part of me in this program, I came in when I was 26. I was still, I was probably like 15 in my brain, maybe younger, nine, I guess, is when I started dieting. So my ideas about food were of a nine-year-old's. I didn't know when I was full. I didn't know when I was hungry. And so it's taken years in this program to figure that out. I found out at one point that I had hypoglycemia, so I had to eat five meals a day. And I was like, no way am I doing that, you know? And, and my sponsor was like, yeah, you are. You want to keep fainting on the street? Go Be my guest, you know? But you're endangering people now because you're not in New York any longer. You're in L.A. And now you're endangering people. So you better start thinking about those five meals a day. So I was like, okay, you're right. You're right. So I started to do that. And then, lo and behold, I got pregnant. That's a whole new, like, you know, Dr. Seuss kind of body thing, you know. And, and you're just like, well, I don't know. And, and, and so I kind of had to eat what was good for me as a pregnant woman, not as what I thought was right for me as a woman who wanted to be a certain body size. So... When I talk about my abstinence, um, my abstinence has never been a food plan. My abstinence started the day I came into program because I started working the program the day I walked in these rooms. I got a sponsor right away. I don't recommend this. I do recommend getting a sponsor right away. What I don't recommend is necessarily, unless you want to, I did 12 steps in 12 weeks. Um, because in the big book, they did it in a weekend. So I'm like, well, I want to do it in a weekend. But, like, my sponsor was like, no. So she, she told me I could do a step a week, which I did. And then I have since done the steps over and over and over because that was just, like, a rough draft. And um, really, really, really rough. And it's, it's still rough. That's the thing. I just did the steps again in the last couple of years. And it was rough, man. I mean, I was like, oh, wow, I didn't even know I did that. And so now um, I ask God to reveal new defects to me, <laughs> which is always really fun. Um, but they keep coming up. And mostly it's about control because this is a disease for me. It's a disease of control. Like I just want to control what gets it, goes in and how it goes out. And, um, and I don't do that anymore. I give it to God 90 98% of the time. I'm like between 95 and 98. So like 98% of the time. So what that looks like for me 
is um, I now, uh, this is just for me, I eat everything in moderation except red meat because I don't like red meat. Um, because I have come from such strict dieting and writing down to the ounce what I was eating, um, I can't do that because that um, is, uh, it, it plugs into my disease. So for some people, weighing and measuring is total way to go. I can, like, I have no, I have no um, commentary or judgment about anybody's, um, how they're working their program. It's not up to me. Um, I know that uh, somebody, I've heard this said before, that um, my absence will kill you and your absence will kill me. So I know that, like, for me, I can't go to the gym anymore. That's punishing to me. So I had to find something that I love doing. I love walking and I love, I didn't know I loved dancing. I learned how to dance. So now I dance three days a week and I walk most days. And that to me is joy. Like I, again, I no, no judgment if you want to do the treadmill and the elliptical. Like I think that's fantastic. For me, it was punishment. It was punishment. And I don't want to do anything that punish, punishes me anymore because I punished myself for so many years in this disease and how bad I was and what I like I couldn't go out because my pants were a little tight so God forbid anybody should see me that way so I didn't go out I didn't I never went out to dinner because I couldn't eat after six o'clock and it had to be at a certain restaurant and if it wasn't at that restaurant I would I would burst into tears so I couldn't go out with people parties were scary um, everything was terrifying. Everything was terrifying because there could be food anywhere. Or somebody could look at my body and go, ew, you know, and I couldn't handle that. Like, I just couldn't handle it. But coming into these rooms, I saw people who, like I said, had been there before me. And I always talk about this woman, Basha. Basha, oh my God. So Basha, she, she wasn't a Sikh, but she did dress all in white. And she... She was always in white, and she was very serene, and she had white hair, and she was probably younger than I am, although she seemed very old at the time, very old and wise, and, um, <laughs> and I, would just, I would just listen to Basha, because she had so much recovery, and I heard, like, her story, and how gritty, and dirty, and icky, and, like, you know, the stuff we do, and she wasn't doing it anymore, and I just thought, you know what, Basha did it, so I can do it. And that's why it's really important to do like a 12 step. Like for me, this is doing a 12 step of, you know, spread, spreading the news, spreading like this stuff works. It really does. And it's not, it's not through anything that I'm doing other than willingness and, and working my program. Like I don't, the idea of like how hard it was to diet, that was so challenging and so difficult and working out in that gym all the time and, and telling myself the whole time I was there, if you weren't so fat, you wouldn't have to be here. You know, that was my tape. Just hatred, 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 hatred. And to replace that with love and to say today that even though I'm 55 and my body has had two children, I freaking love my body. I love my body. I don't care that it looks older than like what society says it's supposed to look like. I don't care. It gets me around. It, it works. I know when I'm hungry. I know when I'm full. That's a freaking miracle. To go from like never knowing when you're full or when you're hungry. I don't even know how that happened. The only reason I can say is that's God. Because I kept saying to God, please let me know when I'm full. 
And I started changing my behaviors. Um, I stopped taking seconds on things. I heard in a meeting, leave a bite for God. I do that at every meal. And I have shared this before. The bite might be the size of my teeny tiny fingernail, you know? Like, <laughs> and, um, and that's fine. That's fine. Because it really is just the connection. That's really all I'm looking for. It's just to connect and go, thanks, God. That's for you. <laughs> yeah. God gets it. Um, so, uh, you know, and, and there are a lot of mornings where, or there are a lot of meals where I'm just like, wow, I can't believe that that's going to be enough. Like, I just look at the plate and I'm like, no way, that's not happening. And then I go, okay, God, like, please make this be enough. This looks like it should be enough, but in my mind it doesn't look that way. By the end of the meal, I don't even want it. Like, I'm just, I'm done. I'm so done because God has come. I've allowed God to fill my plate with something that, that goes beyond hunger. It's like this, this, this spiritual um, filling. It's a filling that, like, I don't, I don't crave anymore. You know, I, I, I took up cigarettes again when my son went into rehab four years ago. That was a good idea. Um, <laughs> seemed like a good idea at the time. And you know what? I think for the four years, it was a good idea. I needed it. I really did. I wasn't smoking a lot. I was smoking like a pack a week. It wasn't a big deal. I didn't feel like it was going to cause me cancer. But like a month ago, I was just like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And I just said to God, can you remove this because I'm tired of, like, looking for cigarettes when I don't have them and smelling them on the street and, like, going up to homeless people and asking them if they have cigarettes. And it's not <laughs> Seriously. Um, and so it's been lifted. It's been lifted. Now, I don't know if I could walk out of here and have a cigarette. I don't know. But for today, it's been lifted. I don't even want one. And it's like... It's like they say in the big book, we, we recoil as if from a hot flame. That's how I feel about eating now. I don't, the idea of taking a laxative, I really don't want to, like, ever, ever, ever again, bless you. I really never want to binge again, ever. Like, the idea of binging is abhorrent to me because it just feels so bad. Like, it just feels so bad. I don't want to feel that kind of pain anymore. I don't even like to take extra bites anymore because I really feel the pain of it now because I'm used to it. I know, I know when I'm done and I know when I've gone over. Miracle. Miracle. And it's only because I've been praying for that all these years. And, and I was like, I was just somebody who just, for a long time, just worked the program by just going, that's a portion. Okay. Done. But now it's like, it's really intuitive. Like, it's crazy. I can't even believe this is going on. Like, I want to find Basha somewhere and go, do you, do you believe this crap? Like, this is actually happening, you know? And she would go, I know, I know. Um, so um, I, I'm so grateful for this. I'm so grateful that I have joy in my life every day, that I, no matter what's going on, I'm not going to pick up the food over it. Like, I'm just not. Because I know in my heart, sorry, who's ever doing that? Um, I know in my heart, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And it used to. It really did until it didn't. And I'm so grateful that there's something else. Because I see people out there, you know, I have 
my mother, my mother-in-law are very good examples of still being in this disease at 80. And, you know, I don't want to be 80 to be worrying about what's on my plate or in my body. And I'm so grateful that I don't have to do that any longer and that I can come and hear people in these rooms who are like, yep, I did that, I did that, I did that. That's what I love about doing fist steps with people. <laughs> it's like, yep, on either side. Did that, did that, did that. Ate off of, ate off of people's plates, ate out of the garbage, prayed for cancer. You know, I'm not kidding. Prayed for cancer, prayed to be homeless, joined a cult, you name it, I have done it. I have done it in the name of losing weight. All of it. And I don't do any of it anymore. The idea of joining a cult really does not sound so so great to me today, you know? I mean, it's nuts. Like, this, this, the, the lengths I would go to to lose weight are now the lengths I will go to to keep my spiritual fitness. Because I want God in my life. I don't want that crap in my life anymore. And if I don't work this program, and I go to, between two programs, I go to like six meetings a week. If I don't do that, I'm crazy. Now, some people, they don't need to. Great. I'm nuts. I am hardcore. And I need this all the time, every morning. Thank you so much. This is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do, do so with any of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay. Daphne. Thank you so much for the wonderful share, which I've never heard. Uh, I was wondering, since you said your uh, mother is, and mother-in-law uh, are still in the, di- the disease and you're not, how has how's your relationship, has it changed or, you know, with your, So the question is, um, because my mother and mother-in-law are still practicing um, this disease, how has my relationship changed with them since I've been in program? Um, We don't talk diets anymore. That's the best thing about it. Um, And after a few years in program, I had to give my mother a boundary and tell her she was no longer allowed to comment on my body. And she was upset about that I remember but I said to her it's it's really hard for me to hear whether I look good whether I look bad I just I start going crazy like it just makes me feel was I thin thinner before was I really all that all that talk and she doesn't really talk about my body um and my mother-in-law she does her thing she doesn't you know the only thing that happens is uh you know, she'll say, we, we had breakfast, we, we can't possibly have lunch. And, you know, and, and so I'll... <laughs> yeah, so I'll just say, you know what, I need to have some lunch. So I'm really clear about my boundaries. I don't tell anybody what to do. I don't say to her, you need to have, like, it's none of my business. I just go, you know what, I need to have lunch. So either I can make it here, or we can go out, but I need to have lunch. And that's kind of, it's just super even now. There's nothing charged about it, which is great. Thank you. How do you sponsor women? Well, let's see. Um, I am, I'm not a hard-ass sponsor. I wish I could be. A lot of people leave me for that reason, because I'm not somebody who will call my sponsees if they don't check in, um, because I assume they're adults. 
Um, so I don't, I don't want to be their moms. Um, although I feel maternal towards a lot of them, I have to say, because I'm so much older than they are. But um, I basically allow them to come up with what they think will work for them. And then we decide, can we work together? Uh, and we try it out, and then they either say, yes, this will work, or no, I, I think I'd, uh, somebody else will work better for me. It's just, it's, it's just like, are you a good match? Are you good? It has nothing to do with the person. It's just, are we a good match? And then sometimes it works and then it doesn't. And um, my sponsor always says to me, you know, if, if they're not doing what you want most of the time, you need to get rid of them so that they can work with somebody who can work with them and then I can help somebody else. It's really clear that way, which I love about my, my sponsor's crazy, ridiculous, wonderful. So, yeah. Does that answer your question? Okay. Genevieve. I think for mm, restrictors, maybe everybody and all parts of it, there's this like insurmountable wall of if I surrender my body shape and size, I would be loved. And I know for you this started at age nine and it was so tethered to love the size of your body. So I'm wondering, like, it sounds like you bottomed out with measuring your body shape and size, but what, in the body that God wants you to have, what's your experience of loving and being loved today? Oh my gosh. Um, so so the, the question is, what's my experience of loving and being loved today? Um, that's a really good question. I, uh, I accept love in ways that I didn't before. Um, I'm open to lots of love, and as a result of that, a lot of love has poured in. And I know that people love me no matter what size I am, because I have been up and down, and I've been, I've been in a normal body size for me for a, a long time now. And, you know, my, my husband never said he was going to leave me because I was 30 pounds up or 30 pounds down. Um, I, I, I have known to surround myself with good people who don't talk weight and body. None of my friends talk weight and body. They just, I don't know how that happened, but I'm, I, I'm always amazed when I'm around a group of people who are talking weight and body. And to me, it's not loving to myself to do that. So I remove myself from those conversations. So I'm, I guess I'm kind of like, and I ask God to, I ask God to allow love to come in, allow love to go out. And I think that's been really helpful. It's just, Knowing that it's, it's, it's not a finite thing, it's infinite, and the more I bring in, the more I can bring out. Does that answer your question? Thanks. Hi. Thank you. Um, can you talk about making your amends and then also how you um, guide your response to Okay. Hi. Um, so the question was, uh, how do I make my amends? How do I make my amends? So... Um, the amends thing, and for those of you who are new in program, welcome to the newcomers. Don't worry about making the amends. It's in the ninth step. So you've got time. But um, for me, what happened was um, I, I really asked God to make myself ready. And I was told to do the easy guys first, you know, do the easy ones. And so I did. I just started uh, calling people and writing people and... 
There was one amends that I wanted to make for years. It was a financial amends to a bra shop that I'd stolen a lot of bras from when I was 16. And, um, and I called the shop. I couldn't get the right people on the phone. This went on for two years, and I would let it go, and then I'd go back, and I'd let it go, and I'd go back. And then my sponsor finally said to me, you were 16, take the money and donate it to OA. And I was like, really? That's all I need to do? And she said, yeah, just write a check to OA. It's not, it's not over the amount that you're allowed to give in a given year. So I did that. The other thing that was a really cool amends was um, I felt responsible for, uh, I was, I was, a, I was at this, this summer camp, and I was going to be one of the oldest uh, campers, and I was going to be the, the head of the color war thing, whatever. And I decided I wanted to go to a different camp, and a lot of girls went with me. And I think it really messed with the person who, the, the owner of the camp, I, the, I feel like it messed with their financial security because a lot of girls came with me and I felt really bad about it. I was very young, I was 13, but it kept coming up on my amends list. And my sponsor was like, well, if it keeps coming up, even if you're 13, you might want to do something about it. So I was like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Like, what do I do? I can't. And she said, I don't know, is there some camp that maybe you could give to? And I looked, I went to Camp Wisconsin, I looked at these camps, and I found this camp for kids who have cancer for their families to go to camp. And I gave them money. And I just started sending them money every month. And that was like such a good amount. It was so easy and so right and so... It was just so God, you know. I was like, oh, it doesn't have to be horrible making an amends. It could actually be creative and fun and help people. It's not like, I'm a bad person. I need to make amends. You know, it's just like we don't, we don't crawl before people. We don't beg forgiveness. And so I think what, what I learned from that is there's more than one way to skin a cat, you know. It doesn't have to be, um, there's no right way to do it. There's no right way to do the program. There's no right way to make the amends. It's really working with somebody else and bringing God into the equation. How are we going to make this happen? So that was, I think, one of the best amends I ever did. Does that answer your question? Let's get a guy. Um, you talked about the obsession being removed. Uh, was that removed early on and come back in between? And so what did you go through for removal there? Okay, so the question is... Um, the the how, uh, whether this was removed and whether it comes back, the obsession being removed or not. Um, yeah, I was in body obsession last week. That was fun. And, um, <laughs> and so I called my sponsor, and she's like, so what's going on? I said, uh, you know, I guess I'm not going to enough meetings. And she's like, no, you're not. Go to some more meetings. And so I went to more meetings last week, and I, you know, made some more phone calls. And I know what the answer is. When I'm, that's the thing. The thing about being around so long, it's not like I'm any smarter than anybody else. I just have a lot more experience. You know, I just have crap loads of experience with this stuff. So I know when, my, when I start thinking about food or body, the way to get out of that is to work my program harder. That's the only way I know. And it works. It doesn't work like that a lot of the time. But within a few days, it starts to ease and abate, and then I'm, I'm back to like feeling like a normal person or how I imagine normal people feel. I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> Sophia, did you want to ask me something? No? Bye. Hi. Um, so I live between here and New York, and in New York I walk everywhere, and here I don't. And there no one talks about body and appearance as everyone does here. <laughs> my husband and my husband. And it's really difficult because 
they put it away, and um, you must have a gallbladder, like, no, that's why I look like this, and, you know, it's that kind of thing. Um, so it's the constant, you know, punitive take that just goes around and around. And how do you actually stop this conversation externally, internally, it's a constant process, but, you know, it's, it's a constant topic of conversation of what everyone weighs and what everyone's wearing and what everyone, you know, here. And I'm just, I mean, it's difficult. And particularly because I'm gone for months at a time, I come back and it's really difficult. So, so the question is, how to avoid the topic, or well, how to set the boundary that you don't that you don't want to talk about weight and body? Okay, so that so that's the boundary you want to set. So for me, like I said, I said it with my mom, where I just was like, this is this is really difficult for me, and so I would, I think I said it pretty calmly and in a loving way. Was like, you know, I just I can't have you commenting on my body anymore, and she got it. I don't know why she got it. Sometimes she gets stuff. It's amazing to me, you know. Um, but as far as with friends, like, I think my friends all know I'm in program because I've been in so long. And I don't, I, like, when I came in, I was really embarrassed about it because eating disorders were not a thing back then. And so it was much cooler to be a drug addict or a drunk, honestly. Like, I really wanted to say I was in N.A. That was like, you know, like I'm a heroin addict. Um, so, because I just thought that was cool. Um, but we're all addicts, and so if somebody's talking addict behavior, I can either get up. It's like gossip. I, I, I either change the subject really quickly because I bottomed out on gossip, or I actually leave the conversation because then it's not a judgment. I don't want to put my judgment on anybody because it's none of my business what they're doing, but for me, it's not good. So if somebody's talking food and diet, I just I have to go somewhere else. Like, I just can't listen to it. It's really, it, it can be very triggering for me. It's really triggering. It's really difficult. And, you know, they all know I've been very reminiscent and my husband, of course, but it's always, oh, you know what to do. You know what to do. Mm. I'm restricting regimens. Right. Yeah. You mean your husband commenting on what you need to do about your weight? Yeah, everybody everybody knows what we need to do about our weight. That's what I love. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody's got a diet. Everybody knows everything. And um, thank you. And what I discovered was nobody knows anything. Nobody knows anything. That's why, like, my sponsor, um, my sponsor doesn't drink alcohol, doesn't eat sugar, and doesn't eat flour. And she's been around for over 30 years. She does not care that I have all of those things. It's none of her business. She just wants to work the program with me. So if people can do whatever they want, it doesn't, I just have to say that's not for me. It's not for me, you know, and just say it in a way that's just end of story. And no is a complete sentence is what I heard. <laughs> I heard that immediately. Yes, no is a complete sentence. So, um, yeah. Hi. Thank you very much. Uh, you seem really sane. Um, I how this wasn't always the case. Um, in addition to working a rather serious program, it seems like, have you had outside help? Oh, yeah. I've, yeah. <laughs> the question is, have I had outside help? And yes, I have. And the funny thing is, my, my outside help, which I recently went back to, when, when my son got sick, I went back. And she's like, at the end of the summer, I, I, you're done. And I was like, no, no, I'm not. You don't understand. And she said to me, is there anything in your life that you don't think you could handle at this point? And I said, you know what? 
I think you're right. I think I can handle everything that's thrown at me at this point because I have these rooms. She's not letting me off in the wild, you know. Like she knows I have support groups. She knows I have friends. So she's like, you can come back if you want to. But right now, I think you're okay. And so the outside help was really good for me because it's good to have more than three minutes and to have somebody who isn't directly involved and can step back and see it for what it is. So I needed that perspective. Um, but I, don't, I, I think in a few weeks, I think I'm done with my outside help for a little while. But I, I could be back there in another month. I don't know. I don't have any opinion about it. It's like if I need it, I'll take it. It's like the cigarettes. I, I picked them up. I gave them up. You know, it's the same thing. I never know what it's going to be. But um, bless you. Outside help is, more, is better for me than cigarettes. I understand that. But um, <laughs> depending on the outside help. Uh, but, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, I, I think outside help, if one needs it, is absolutely the right thing to do. And it says it in our literature that we should seek outside help. Michael. Was your husband on your men's my husband uh, was oh, the question is was my husband on my men's list my husband's on my living men's list which for those of you who don't know what that is that's just acting better than being an asshole really, really you know and so I I stopped asking him do I look fat um, I stopped making him responsible for my food you know like crying in restaurants was not his fault um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was pretty grim with him, you know, and he just, you know, he said to me, I saw the person underneath. I saw the person underneath. And that's kind of what's emerged after all these years is that person, like the eight-year-old girl who was so confident and excited about life, he sees again. And I'm back for the most part, you know, I'm back. And like sometimes I feel like really young. It's really silly. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm 14. Like I did this thing the other day where I was spinning around. And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel like I'm like spinning around like I used to do when I was little. And it's kind of great. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. But, um, yeah, my husband was a living immense. And, um, and myself living immense. But those were the two big ones. Yes. Hi. Um, you said you worked the steps again. What does that So the question is working the steps again. So I've worked the steps probably formally six or seven times, maybe more. I don't know. It's, and I, uh, so what that looks like is I go back to the books. I go back to the basics. I read them. I underline. I answer the questions at the end of the chapters. I, it's really going back and working it. And this program has that great workbook which wasn't around when I first came in. And that's like, if you're, if you're struggling, like get a book, like how easy could it be? It's all laid out for you, you know? And so you don't even have to think about it. You just fill in the blanks. And so, um, I did that with a four step. I did a formalized four step with a, with a book. Um, but it just, it just gets me deeper and deeper into the program and I uncover more and more. And in a couple of years, I'll do them again. I do 10 steps all the time. Whenever I have a resentment, I do a 10 step. I do, one, two, three, and six every morning. So I'm working it. Thank you so much. <laughs>